I would like to read from Luke chapter 6 and from verse 12. Luke 6 from verse 12. And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called unto him his disciples, and of them he chose twelve, whom also he named apostles. Simon, whom he also named Peter, and Andrew's brother, James and John, Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew and Thomas, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon called Zelotes, and Judas, the brother of James, and Judas Iscariot, which also was the traitor. I want to speak to you this afternoon, if I may, and I want to entitle the short address, The Praying Saviour, The Praying Saviour. The Lord Jesus Christ spent a whole night in prayer. Why? Well, generally, he realised that prayer was vitally important if his mission was going to succeed. But there were at least two specific reasons why he spent the night in prayer at this juncture in his ministry. Firstly, after enjoying a brief time of popularity, he began to encounter criticism and opposition from the Jewish religious leaders, as we find in Luke chapter 5 from verse 17 to chapter 6 verse 11. They found fault with Christ when he healed the paralytic man and forgave his sins. They found fault with Christ when he and his disciples were found in company with Matthew Levi and other notable tax collectors and sinners. They found fault with Christ and his disciples when they accused them of breaking the Sabbath day. They were fuming with Christ because he had healed a man in the synagogue who had a withered hand on the Sabbath day. And Luke chapter 6 verse 11 says, And they were filled with madness and communed one with another what they might do to Jesus. So, on reflection and looking back, Christ was ministering and facing antagonism and hostility that led him to pray that the Lord might be with him as he continued. But secondly, because Christ was looking forward, that led him to prayer also. The hostility and opposition did not distract him from his mission. He was now planning for the future. He was going to embark on another bout of teaching, and you'll find that from verses 17 to the end of chapter 6. And he knew that before he would teach and preach, it would be good to commune with the Father. Also, in preparing for the future, he was now going to choose twelve disciples who would become apostles. They would be the foundation of the Christian church. Only Luke tells us that he spent the night in prayer before he chose them. Here we have the first ordination in the Christian church, and it only happened after a lot of reflection and prayer by Christ himself, who was the sole head of the church. It would teach us that when we are setting people apart to the holy ministry or appointing office bearers, it should be accompanied with much prayer before 
and after. The Apostle Paul was not ashamed to say, Brethren, pray for us. What do we know about the first preachers of the cross? Well, they were all poor, uneducated, probably from Galilee, without influence and clout in the world. Yet by their preaching they turned the world upside down, humbled the Roman Empire, and changed the course of history. What does this teach? It surely teaches us that Christianity is from God. They could never accomplish what they did unless they had the approval of God. They did not have power or money to entice people to believe, nor armies to frighten people to believe. They simply preached the truth, and God blessed their labours. Humanly speaking, the cause of Christ will not prosper unless we have men like the apostles. This should be a constant prayer of every Christian. Lord, give us pastors and ministers like the apostles, full of the Holy Ghost and faith. What about Christ choosing Judas? Every prayer uttered by Christ was perfect, yet he chose a traitor. It is a mysterious subject, but we say without equivocation that Christ knew that Judas was not a real follower and would betray him. Christ did not make a mistake. It speaks to us about the wonderful, mysterious subject, the providence of God. But there are practical lessons to be learned from this incident. The appointment of Judas would teach ministers and pastors to be wary. Ordination does not confer grace, nor does it keep one from error, or making mistakes, or backsliding, or apostasy. It should teach the minister or the pastor to stick close to Christ. And what is good for the minister is also good for the private Christian. Stick close to Christ. Commune with Christ. Judas is a warning to the church of Christ. Paul told the young pastor Timothy, Take heed unto thyself. It should also teach congregations and private Christians not to think too highly of ministers. Too many follow ministers when they should be following Christ. Ministers and pastors are fallible. Therefore, this is another prayer that we should utter. Pray for them that they might be faithful to their calling and not end up like Judas. Pray for them that they might have gospel success. Pray for them that they might be filled with the Holy Ghost. Pray for them that they as earthen vessels might be mightily used by the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't need what the world gives. 
We don't need the approval of men. We don't need the backing of men. We don't need their financial clout. We don't need the wisdom of men. What we need is men filled with the Holy Ghost, men who fear God, men who love the Lord Jesus Christ, men who have the approval of heaven. That's what we need. And that's a prayer that should be on our lips continually because I'm sure the same is where you are, but certainly where I am in Scotland, this is a hard, hard area. And it's hard to be a minister. And it's hard to preach the gospel. But what we need is God to move and to work and to raise up gospel ministers, men who will go about preaching the unsearchable riches of Christ and that they might know something of the success that the early apostles had, who, having nothing but God, turned the world upside down. And here we have a wonderful example then of a praying Saviour. The Saviour is our, is our righteousness. He's the one who has won salvation for us by his life and death and resurrection. And we can't follow him in that work. But the Saviour is also our pattern and we can follow him there. Therefore, let us be people of prayer, continually seeking the Lord and seeking his blessing upon those whom he has set apart to preach the gospel, that indeed there might be signs following the same preaching of that gospel. May the Lord be pleased to bless these thoughts to you this afternoon as you turn to prayer.